We're starting a new series of sermons today that come along with our celebration of Pentecost. Today we're going to be talking about that day when Jesus promised Holy Spirit came to the disciples and the church was born and the Spirit's gift of power. So let me invite you to pray as we seek God's illumination. Holy God, you are present with us in the power of your Spirit, who came just as Jesus came to show us your heart and your will for our lives. Give us ears to hear your word and hearts to receive it and lives that will be empowered by it, that we might be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to these words that come to us from the second chapter of Acts. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were waiting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. 
then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall in that room where the disciples were gathered, waiting for the Holy Spirit, Spirit Jesus had promised would come. Now, what an amazing day that had to be. I'm sure those disciples were confused, they were filled with questions, and they were simply clueless about what to do next. Then, in the midst of their confusion, they heard a roar that sounded like a tornado coming right at them. And before they could get out of the way, there was a rush of wind that blew through the room and sparks ignited into flames above their heads, and they were filled with the holy wind of God. Before they even knew what was happening, a whoosh from God had breathed life into them and set them on fire, and they were pushed out into the street with that holy wind coming out of their mouths in languages they didn't even know they knew. It created such a racket that a crowd gathered of all those people who were in Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost. It was so amazing because that crowd heard these disciples speaking in their own languages, people from all over the world. I mean, you can imagine it. Parthians craned their neck and looked around for other Parthians, and Libyans were looking for some Libyans. And what they saw instead was a bunch of Galileans who were speaking to them about the mighty acts of God as if they were scholars with PhDs in Middle Eastern languages. It was amazing. So amazing and understandable that people were overcome, but others tried to explain the mystery away by saying, ah, they're just drunk. Peter, you know, Peter, the one who just a few days before couldn't even admit he knew Jesus, Peter stood up and he said, oh, no, 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 it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. It's way too early for anybody to be drunk which I suppose means if it had happened later in the day, maybe drunk would have been an explanation. I don't know. But Peter went on to say, no, no, nobody's drunk. As a matter of fact, this is what the prophet Joel had in mind. And he said, you folks, you're here, you're good Jews, you know about the prophet Joel. Remember what Joel had to say. In the last day, the Lord says, I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit out on everybody. And your sons and your daughters will be prophesying. 
and your old folks will dream dreams and see visions, and even your slaves and servants will prophesy. There will be crazy things going on in the heavens and darkness and fire and mist on the earth below. And on that great day, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was an amazing moment. And Peter added to that the statement that said, Folks, today is God's time. Today is God's time in Jesus Christ, the time of salvation, the great day of the Lord, and it's time for you folks to repent and be baptized. And the wonder of it all is they did. 3,000 of them were baptized and joined the church. And the Christian church was born. It's a story that fills me with awe and wonder. But if I'm really honest, it's also a story that leaves me a little bit disappointed. I mean, it was a once-in-the-lifetime-of-the-church kind of experience, a miracle of birth that only God could give. And yet, when I look around the church today, I don't see any flames dancing above our heads. Do you? I don't hear the roar of wind there's not anybody speaking Parthian or Elamese. There are no shouts of awe, and there certainly are no people storming the baptismal font wanting to join the church. And yet, it's our birthday. It's the day we celebrate the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost, the beginning of the Christian church. And I don't know about you, but as I think about the church on that day and compare it to the church today, I have to wonder if maybe the Holy Spirit has gone on a very long vacation. Are, are we simply growing older and grayer and farther from God with every passing birthday? Is there a miracle left for us? The answer to that question depends, I think, on how we perceive and welcome miracle. For those disciples waiting and praying in Jerusalem, Pentecost could only be described in images of rushing wind and dancing flame, which are the language of metaphor and mystery and miracle. They certainly were not expecting what happened at Pentecost. Their lives were turned upside down by the experience. I'm sure the spirit 
they expected to come was nothing like the one who showed up. Jesus had healed people and fed the crowd and blessed the children and taught the masses. The disciples had done some of those things, but not all of them, and certainly not without the close direction and supervision of Jesus. So I'm fairly confident that the spirit they expected to come was one who was going to step right into Jesus' place and continue doing all the things Jesus had done. What they got instead was a power that blew them out of the place they were secure and safe and comfortable and sent them into the street to do ministry in Jesus' name. The Spirit empowered them to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Jesus at work in the world wherever compassion and good news were needed. Now, even though the disciples did not expect what happened, they were able to perceive the presence of the Spirit and to welcome the miracle when it came their way. Which means, I think, that they did not take God for granted. And they did not assume they knew everything there was to know about God the way we do sometimes. Friends, God's workings are rarely what we expect them to be. And every time God is at work transforming us, our lives are turned upside down. Miracles are rarely things that make us feel secure and comfortable, and they are almost never obvious. Think about how things were that day for the people who were gathered in Jerusalem. Some of them heard Peter and the others gladly. I mean, they had been there in town for days, unable to communicate with one another because they all spoke different languages, and suddenly a group of disciples begins to tell them about the love and forgiveness of God and the hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they heard that gladly. As a matter of fact, it was a miracle so profound, they had to be part of the church. They perceived something important was happening. They welcomed the good news when they heard it. But they certainly were not expecting what happened to happen. And we also need to remember that there were lots of other people in Jerusalem for whom the day didn't mean anything at all. It was simply a good drunk something that happened as the result of too much too fast at the corner pub. And Peter's sermon was nothing but the babbling of a drunk. For them, nothing happened, there was no miracle, and there was no God. They were people in 
the same place, experiencing the same thing. For some, a profound miracle happened, and for others, nothing at all happened. And the difference, the only difference was their openness to the presence of God's Spirit. Those who joined the church perceived the Spirit's presence. They welcomed the Spirit's gift of power, and they were willing to be used by the Spirit to do the work of Jesus Christ in the world. I am convinced that there is a miracle waiting to happen in your life, in my life, and in the life of this congregation. I am convinced that the Holy Spirit still works in our world, empowering the church to be the people of Jesus Christ at work in the world. I'm convinced the Spirit still surprises us, sends us out of our places of comfort and safety into the world, makes of us the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, doing ministry wherever there is a need for good news and compassion. The question seems to be, are we willing to open our eyes to the Spirit's presence and allow our lives to be turned upside down as is God's way in the world? The Spirit is alive and well and at work in the world. The Spirit is readily at hand to empower us. What's missing is our willingness to receive the Spirit's gift, to be used by the Spirit, and to leave behind what is for us the safe and the comfortable and the easy. The truth is we have grown far too comfortable with the beauty of our church facilities because for years people came to us. For years it was relatively easy to be the church when people came to us. But friends, those days are long gone. And we have got to figure out what it means to be the church beyond these walls. We have got to figure out what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus, listening to people, discerning their needs, and doing whatever needs to be done to meet those needs. People are hungry for genuine community, and for connection that matters. We know how to do caring community. You know, caring community is one of those things we do really well. We just have got to figure out how to do it outside where people are because we can no longer expect them to come to us. So, here are some questions for you to ponder. Where are people on Sunday morning? I mean, some of us are here, but by far the vast majority of folks are not here. So where are they? 
And more important, how can we be creatively present there where they are to share the love of Jesus Christ? How many children and youth do you know for whom you are a sticky adult? Now, we know that for children and youth to grow up to be whole and healthy and faithful adults, they need five sticky adults in their lives. And by sticky adults, we mean someone who cares about them, someone who will be a significant part of their lives, a mentor, someone who has skin in the game as far as that child is concerned. Under the best of circumstances, two of those sticky adults are a child's parents, and then we assume that the other three are going to be a beloved teacher, or maybe a band or choir director, a scout leader, a youth leader at church, someone invested in that child's life. But we know that the best of circumstances don't exist for all children. Some of them don't even have those two parents. So who are the children and youth you know for whom you are a sticky adult? What are the needs in this community that are not currently being met? And how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus actively engaged in meeting those needs? How can we move from the notion of being friendly to do the far more difficult and time-consuming work of building friendships with people? The difference in those two things is the difference in a smile and a casual how are you versus the task of building deep relationships with people we don't know to the point that they are part of our lives and we are part of their lives. It's the difference in being nice and being a disciple. And folks, there is nowhere Jesus called us to be nice. And countless places he called us to be disciples. So the only question that remains is this one. Do we want to be part of the new thing God is doing in our world? Or are we too settled and comfortable where we are? Do we want to be part of the new thing God is doing in our world? Or are we too comfortable and settled where we are? Now, will asking and answering these questions change the way we do things? Absolutely. We'll change everything from top to bottom, and it's going to make us good and uncomfortable like change always does. 
Will the Spirit be with us in the process and help us deal with the discomfort that transformation always brings? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I ask you again. Do we want to be part of that new thing God is doing in our world? Or are we comfortable and settled where we are? Friends, it has been my experience that birth is always surprising. Birth is always messy and miraculous. It always demands the full participation and willing participation of those who are involved. And birth always changes our lives in ways that are too wonderful and numerous to count. So let our birthday prayer be this. Come, Spirit, come with power. Surprise us, use us, transform us, shake us up, send us out, and create a miracle among us that your church might be born anew in this place. In the name of the Spirit who is always with us, and at this point in time desires to give us a swift kick in the pants. Amen.